Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Monty A. Melnick. There you go. Come to where I'm from, podcast episode 97. Nice. What's the A stand for? I'll give you a hint. The famous Greek. Uh, I was going to say Athenas, but no, it's Athena. Or... Nine, nine letters. Nine letters in it. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you want another hint? Yeah, he was great. Oh, Hercules? Um, no, it starts good. with an A. <laughs> oh, A. Nine letters starting with an A. Achilles? A Greek? I don't think that's nine letters. He I was great. That okay, that's a big hint. He's great. He oh, was, he was Alexander. Alexander Melnick. Just the A's fine. Those enough. kind of things always just reveal to me how, <laughs> how dumb I actually am. I Can you turn my mic up? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Is this, uh, this was started already? Yeah, yeah this is oh, how boy. we start. Holy mackerel. We're very professional. <laughs> um, when did the bonus uh, section of your book come out? Uh, a little less than a year ago. Okay, so it's new. Yeah. On the road with the Ramones. Yeah, bonus edition. It has to have the red uh, Ramones lettering on it because my other editions are up on Amazon, so hmm. I'm in competition with myself here. That's what that's what finally happens to us all, I think. <laughs> I think we're supposed to like just compete against how we were the day before. right? Okay. Have you ever heard that? Don't compare yourself just uh, co- except for to who you were yesterday. No, but it sounds good. Yeah. So where where do you, where'd you come from today? Queens, and that's where you've been the entire run on planet Earth, basically. Well, that's I grew up in Queens, and I my home base was in Queens. And you stayed. Yeah. Any uh, and the Ramones any were all pl- from Queens. any plans? Yeah. yeah, Forest Hills. You went to school with Tommy, right? I went to school with Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, junior high school with Tommy, and then high school with Tommy. So you just can't get away from this guy, <laughs> or for a while. Well, yeah, he was my best friend for about 50 years. That's amazing. Wow. That's very much a gift, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was an amazing person. I'm sorry to, you know, sad to see him not around. Yeah, sorry. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the four originals are gone, you know. It's, you're the only one left. Well, I mean, out of the, there's other Ramones around. Right, but you're the only one that was there from the beginning. Yeah, yeah it was me, Arturo, and myself, Arturo Vega, and he passed away a couple of years ago. Right. And uh, we were there from the beginning to the end. What a trip. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> when they were developing their sound, what was your what was your thoughts? Because it was so new, and, and what did you think? Well, uh I, I was in a different uh, plane at the time. I, you know, at the, uh, we had a re- recording rehearsal studio, Tommy and I built and managed. Right. And uh, Late 60s. No, that, that, that was later on. I, I played with Tommy in several bands before that in the 60s, late 60s. And, um, but I got together with him later on. Uh, you know, I had a recording uh, career myself. I was on Reprise Warner Brothers for two albums, 1971, 72. Under your name? And on a band called 30 Days Out. So it was a country rock band. Were you the singer? No, I was a bass player. Oh, okay. Bass man. Bass man. And so over the years, you know, I've played uh, with Tommy on several bands before the Ramones. And uh, coming into the studio, we had a chance to build this recording rehearsal studio. 
basically rehearsal studio. At in that, Queens? No, this is in uh, 20th Street, 23 East 20th in um, Manhattan. Cool. And uh, so uh, we managed the place and we got free time to do our own projects. So I had my own band at the time. Mm -hmm. And Tommy was just brought the Ramones in as a three-piece. He just wanted to manage them. And then why, why did he know them? Well, yeah, he grew up with them in Forest Hills. You know, he knew them from Forest Hills. Did you know them as well? From I knew Tommy the most, really. Right. Because he was more my age, and Joey was a little younger. Dee Dee was a little, little younger. Johnny was my age and Tom's age, but I grew up basically Tommy. Mm -hmm. So he brought them in as a three-piece group, and it was Joey on drums, right? Dee Dee singing and playing bass. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And Johnny on the uh, guitar, and Didi was having a hard time uh, singing and playing. So Tommy, being a good uh, producer, and he wanted to manage. He heard Joey had a great voice. So he pulled him off the drums. Then he started looking for drummers. How did how, how did he hear that Joey had a great voice? Well, he knew he he, he was in another band, and uh, he was Joey sang a few songs, you know, with the three piece. Hmm. So he could hear him singing too. Yeah, I just wonder, like, that decision seems so unusual because Dee Dee could have gotten, like, could have gotten, oh, let's get another bass player, like, and keep Dee Dee as the singer. Well, he was having trouble singing and playing bass and, and playing, 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 playing bass. But, uh, no, I I think Joey, I mean, Joey has a great voice, you know, Dee Dee. Oh, man, Joey's. So he heard Joey singing. The best. I, it's not a, it's a great decision, but I'm just yeah. like. That those no. early decisions that can just change the whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, but he heard Joey's voice, so he said, mm -hmm. "Come on, pull him, pull him off the drums." They started looking right. for drummers. No egos with the other two, and he did yeah, that. Yeah, did he get upset? N no, Didi was fine because they, they were all learning their instruments at the time. Right. It was very raw, 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 yeah. raw, raw, raw. And for for me seeing them, I really I didn't like them in the beginning. They were, they were just I had two albums, recording albums. I toured. We opened up for the Beach Boys, and we had harmonies and stuff and it was country rock it was all different things and seeing them in the early years so raw it was a bit disturbing for me <laughs> right didn't you think like hey i'm doing actual music these yeah, guys are just I, fucking around well they were still learning their instruments right and uh so when they tommy pulled uh, joey off the drums they started looking for drummers and at that time no drummers could understand what they were doing right so tommy would sit down he was a guitar player not a drummer Tommy would sit down and start play like this. And so Tommy developed that style. Mm -hmm. And nobody could fit in. So they said, well, why don't you join the group? So he joined as a drummer. But initially, he just wanted to produce them and manage them. Right. Why did he not want to? Because he was still a kid, too. Why didn't he what? Why didn't he? Why did he just want to manage them? Well, because that's what like, he was doing. He was, like, he was doing engineering at the time. He was like working as assistant engineer in the record plant. That's I think so he worked wild. with Jimi Hendrix a little bit on, on some albums. That's amazing. I, it just seems like somebody young would want to be in a, even if they wanted to produce and do that stuff, would want to be in a band. Well, I mean, but they were nobodies. I guess he just didn't. Well, he did. did them the favor. I know, but they're in high school. It's like. That, you, that you know young? what I mean? They're, yeah, they're, this, we're talking about school days. Well, the point of it is, they when he pulled Joe off the drums, he he they started looking for a drummer, and right? So and he sat find, in. And they couldn't find. No, I understand. And he said, that. "Okay, I'll you know right. I'll join the group." No, I understand that. I'm so just, that's I'm just trying wasn't. to. I'm just going deep into the intricacies or trying to. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just you're digging. Thought, I'm digging for it, but so so then when. You heard them with that. Did that start changing? When do, when did like did you have a revelation revelatory moment where you're like, oh my god, this is actually something special? Or well, yeah, I mean, 
uh, they, st- they they worked very hard. They rehearsed a lot. Right. I mean, in the first year or two, it took a while to, to develop, develop and get their sound. Mm-hmm. And then I was running sound for them uh, in in the studio there. They did um, little showcases. And then they had got some jobs outside. And they said, why don't you come along and do some sound? Mm-hmm. So it's, I started doing sound for them. And Is that something you just picked up right yeah, then? Or? Yeah. Well, Tom, you know, was he was an engineer, assistant engineer. So he helped me along and showed me different things. We had a little, you know, re, uh, PA in the studio. So I was working with that, yeah. too. So I knew a, a bit about things. And why would you sideline what you were doing with yourself to run sound for them? Well, you know, things happen. And uh, the studio happened to hap- to close at the time because mm-hmm. of the neighbors. They were, We were too noisy. We couldn't get enough soundproofing in it. And at that time, all of a sudden, they started getting jobs all over the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they so, blew up a little yeah, bit. They, they got popular. Yeah, they got jobs here, there. And they, they'd come along as a, first as a sound man. And doing everything in the, in the beginning, Salman schlepping roadie, blah blah blah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, still like that's still the job. I mean, for like a certain level that you're at, you know what I mean? Like usually you take one guy that can run sound and drive and, and tour <laughs> manager. Well, yeah, at that level, that it was just a limited amount of people. We could, and the bigger they got, the more people I can hire. So I worked my way up, uh, road manager, tour manager. Right. What? Um, how did they get the? How did they start blowing up? They started getting jobs all over the place, you know, in clubs and CBGBs. Uh, there was big CBGBs festival. They got a lot of publicity. Is that when it happened? CBGBs playing and people were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. It was it, there was a festival and it got a lot of publicity and uh, articles and things like that. And then they got a manager, uh, Danny Fields, right? And he was big time, big time. I mean, you know, he was big. At what he did, he was Sixteen Magazine. He worked a lot of people, Iggy Pop, uh, all sorts of uh, people he was working with, and uh, they respected him, and they bugged him to come down and listen to him. He thought initially there was some sort of like a cha-cha band or mm. Ramones or Spanish band. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's what people thought in the beginning, the Ramones, Las Ramones. And how old were you guys then, roughly? Me, personally? Yeah, or the whole band. Like, what, you're a couple years older than them? Yeah, Tom and I are... Like Johnny was a little over one year older than Tommy and I, and uh, he was born in 1948. I was born 49 with Tommy. So 49 minus 76, you can figure it out. No, but how old were how old were you guys during that time? Like when it first started blowing up? That's what I said. 1949 minus 1976. I'll do it. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> it's what late it? in the day. Are you yeah, see, the three of us. Well, like a math, a math the Three of us sitting here, and, we, and our brains we can't even figure uh, it out. Since you mentioned CBGBs, I heard an interview with Hilly where he said the first show at CBGBs they were terrible. Was that the yeah, show? Yeah, right? they, they, they. I'm telling you, it took a few years for them to really get going. That's Did why. Did you ever think they were great? Like in later the early, on, in the early days no, took- no, in the early days, as I said, I was coming from a different. Uh, I had two albums out, recorded albums on Rupert's, right. Rupert's Warner Brothers Records, and I toured with a bunch of bands. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't like them in the, in the beginning. They were so raw. As you saw, the right. early days, they stop, they start, they fight. They didn't know what they, they had to learn their instruments and groove into that machine that they eventually got it to be. The math was twenty five, by the way. There you go. So like around twenty five, okay. And you know they were uh, Joey's a little young, year or two years, uh, yeah, two years younger. So Dee Dee, so same thing. 
But they're kind of like a conceptual, like art rock, conceptual art rock band as much as anything else. Well, in the, in the early days, nobody, they, they, there was no punk rock mentioned, so right, they didn't like that name punk in the beginning, so they just like rock band, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, conceptual? No, they were just raw, stripped-down rock and roll, basically. But, like, you know, the everyone's dressed the same. They have a very unique look. They're called the Ramones. Well, Their songs are two minutes long. Yeah, it's yeah. Got, they it had, it they, has, like, an they, aesthetic that's pretty... They worked on all that. Right. Yeah. So that took a while to develop. Yeah, because if you see the early shows, they came out from the basically the glam rock, glam rock era. Right in in New York, uh, like Slade and groups like the Dolls, and so in the early years they were Johnny was wearing like satin pants and like leopard skin things, and but it got expensive buying those platform shoes and all that. They so they just thought, oh, we'll just wear what we wear, you know. Jeans oh, so and, they didn't come out the gate with just like jeans and no, the leather no, jacket. No, no, if you look at some of the early black and white uh, sh videos of them playing CBGBs, you'll see the difference. They have different look. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's real interesting. Yeah, it took a while to develop. I mean, they worked on it. They very worked on it. Very, they rehearsed a lot. Yeah. With any outside influence on the look, or is all them? Uh, basically, them. Uh, Tommy and Johnny, and that, that's what they were wearing: ripped jeans and. Who were their influences? Because the, the jeans at the time they couldn't afford new jeans; they were ripped. Now people pay hundred dollars for a ripped jean. Right. That gets me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I, was, I see people walking around with jeans ripped, you know. You know, I walked around with ripped jeans. I put a patch on it in my youth, you know. <laughs> I was from the hippie days. So who were their influences? Was Iggy Pop a big influence? Oh, yeah. MC5, Iggy Pop. And Slade. And, uh, well, they listened to everything. Uh, you know, Doors, uh, Who, Cream, everything. Velvet Underground. I, uh, no, yeah, they liked the Velvet Yeah, sure. But uh, Tommy and I went to a lot of concerts when there was a Fillmore East over here. Mm -hmm. Irving Plaza, basically. Well, no, the Fillmore East. It was on Second Avenue. Oh, I thought that became no, that's Irving, Irving Plaza. Plaza. No, that was all on Second Avenue and Fifth Street or Sixth Street. It was oh, okay. Whole, you know, Fillmore West, Fillmore East. Bill Graham had it. And they had amazing shows there. Tom and I went to a lot of shows. We saw a lot of groups: Cream, Jimi Hendrix, right? Who? All sorts that's of groups. Amazing. They were into. They listened to a lot of music interesting so what was did you keep making music yourself after what when i joined the ramones yeah like when you joined that no whole i kind machine, of uh, you gave it up you know the fork and as, as uh, yogi Berra says when you see a fork in a road you take it mm -hmm. that was a joke get it take, fork in a road. take it you can't take a fork all right that went over like <laughs> uh, he got he's laughing he's kinda, like, kinda is this being it. taped by the way is this a video too is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so you know i mean i had like a, a number of years a couple albums touring and stuff and this came along and it was just a full-time thing you know right but weren't but you were so young still like didn't, weren't you like kind of or you were just ready to give up your own music at that point? yeah at that time i, I switched careers what happened inside that made you decide to do that especially because you didn't even actually believe in the band that much. Well, it was a good it was a good job. And, right, no, I get that. And I was traveling, you know, they started going here, going there in the States and all of a sudden Europe and I wanted to travel and see places and go places. Right. And they they were doing that. Yeah. And it was an interesting job too. 
I worked my way up, as I said, starting with the sound and moving equipment and then hiring sound men, monitor men, and lighting guys and then road manager, tour manager is a big uh, job. It's lots big of gig. it's a lots of things going on, so it was very uh, interesting. What was the first tour like? Well, you know, we, we, the real first tour is '77 with the Talking Heads in Europe. As they Before were, that, they we, were opening for you. Yes. Yeah. Really? A lot, a lot yeah. of groups open up for the Ramones, the B52s, yeah. Blondie. Blondie, Talking Heads. Uh, and and they all became like mega stars and the poor Ramones. Who couldn't else? Get... Oh my God! You just named like ten. Yeah, a lot. That's enough. Social distortion. I don't so what know. was wow. the first? What was the first tour? What was it like? Well, that was the a first. I mean, before that, we'd do like go to Boston, play a couple of shows, come back, and right. go maybe Chicago, play a couple of shows, come back. But uh, the first seventy-seven was the real. We went to Europe and uh, did a whole. European tour with the Talking Heads. So I, was, I consider that the first real tour. After that, then right. we started touring the United States. Because that's like, oh, you guys went someplace you've never been to the other side of the world, and it's like, holy shit, this is wild. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I wanted to see all these places too. Johnny hated it all over there. Yeah. So how <laughs> how big were the venues, and how many people were showing up, and where'd you go? Oh my God, it was like a month or so everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, you know. It's, France, France, Spain, uh, yeah. England, Denmark, Sweden, Amsterdam, uh, Amst oh, yeah, sure, of course, Amsterdam. Germany, B Berlin, maybe. Well, how it, many it, people? It, how many? It was small, either clubs or small theaters, right? And sometimes like rec centers, uh -huh. halls. We played with them. That's wild. It was, you know, it was a huge uh, uh, crowds, but there were, you know, some some of the venues were a little bigger, like the bigger theaters. Like in Paris, and uh, and so like, and and they were full. People were coming. Yeah, yeah. There was a buzz because the Ramones had a buzz, and so did the Talking Heads. Right. You know, and did the crowd like both bands? Oh yeah. So people were open to it. In fact, uh, there's a book. Chris Franz just put a book out. Right. And he talks about all the different that that tour. He mentions me in the book also. I haven't. He he's in my book too. He goes it, deep into that tour. Yeah, or? yeah. He talks about a lot of things. How it was opening up, and uh, he's a big Ramones fan too. He loved the Ramones. Yeah. It was a good tour. It was really good. So, inside of your crew in the Ramones world during that, were you guys all like looking at each other, like, "Oh my God, we're doing it"? Was there a lot of excitement, or was there any kind of drama in the crew or the band? No, the whole. Th I'm calling you. Yeah, all the I mean, same it was like a great. I mean, of course, they were getting very good audiences, and you know, touring and making some money and uh, the, the fame, and uh, you know, yeah. they got good reviews. Was Johnny and Joey uh, from the beginning not getting along? No, or back they got then along. They got the along. They got along in the beginning. Uh, okay, sure, that's sure. Or they wouldn't have <laughs> formed the band if they. Didn't like each other as much as people say. The, the whole thing with Johnny and Joey is a little overblown. Yeah, because the story I heard is they would like, you know, do entire tours without speaking to well, each other, no, that type of no, shit. Well, no, no, Later on, you know, after the Linda thing. Over uh, a girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Linda, uh, Joey's ex-girlfriend, went over to Johnny. Mm -hmm. But that happens a lot in rock and roll. You know, that happened a few times with other bands. I mean. Right, Eric Clapton and yeah, George Harrison. There you go. Right, was a big famous one. Yeah, so that was later, later in the years. I mean, the early years they talked to each other. Of course, they had to record and uh, 
they yeah. talked it sure they just later on and got a little hard to on joey because uh johnny was seeing his ex-girlfriend and actually he married her so right but he, ke he kept her away yeah. basically. <laughs> sort of legitimizes it when it goes that yeah deep. yeah yeah. So, but it was still hard. You know, they they basically didn't hang out. In other words, they sit, talk about uh, the set, and then go on stage, and of course play. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, they just didn't hang out or talk to each other when they didn't have to talk to each other. Right? Was Joey's OCD flaring up yet, or not really? No, it's, his OCD was there from the beginning. But y'all didn't know what it was. And, right? and yeah, in the beginning, nobody knew what what it was. They nobody knew what it, what that was back in those days. It was very frustrating because we thought, what, what are you doing? I mean, you're, you're crazy, what, you know? But then again, they found out it was a, a chemical imbalance, a medical condition, OCD. Right. And, and he had it pretty bad. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Then, then they had some uh, medicine for it later. He got a little better, but he still had it. So when that was revealing itself before anybody knew what it was, what what was going through your mind with it? What would oh, you it was think? it was rough. It was hard dealing with it because it was hard getting different places. You know, come on, Joey, let's go. Uh, let's get him out of the house, get him out of the hotel room, mm -hmm. into the bus. What would he do? He, he just he would, didn't want to go. Well, you know, you know, are you familiar what OCD to, is? He no, would but have to how do did like strange rituals? He'd have to like, touch things touch, like, and go back and, and touch things, or cross the street, go, come back. I gotta go back on that level. Oh yeah. He had a. He had I a mean, bag. every LCD is different. I don't know what yeah, level yeah, yeah, he had yeah. it Some on. people have to wash their hands a million times, but he had it at a level. To touch where, stuff. Yeah, he had had touch things and uh, cross the street. He didn't feel right. He didn't have to go back and cross the street again. There was one time we came back from Europe, from JFK. He gets back to his house. He says, "I gotta go," you know, because I drove him from the airport. And he said, "I gotta go back to the airport and touch him." I go ahead, here's the taxi. He took a freaking cab <laughs> touch back. Touch what the gate? Whatever it was, he needed to touch. He went back. Wow, it's, it was bad. That's wild. Yeah. And would he know that it was nuts? Like, yeah, like, and it, like, yeah. Would he, he go he, like, he, "Hey, I know this is yeah, nuts." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew it. He knew it. Yeah. It bothered him too, but he couldn't help it. You know. Yeah. What a tortured but amazing character. He like. I mean, it is. It was. Yeah. I heard he's just like the sweetest dude. That was that, great. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I was pretty much closest to him in the band. Oh, yeah? Besides Tommy. But right. he, Tommy was only a few years in the beginning, then he left. So I was with Joey all the way through, and he, I got to be very friendly with him and kind of like, almost like family because my girlfriend and her sister was Angela, mm. which was Joey's girlfriend. Joey's girl. So, we, so you introduced Joey yeah, to his girl. Yeah. And we hung out a lot. And it what was would like, y'all do? I'll go down to Paul's Downs, have some dinner, or go upstate. And uh, one another sister had a, a house upstate, you know, uh, hang out. Mm. Just the basics. Yeah, the basics, you know, when you're not on the road, uh, relax and play games in the house and stuff like that. How come Tommy left? Well, as I said, he really didn't want to be in a band. He didn't yeah. want to be a drummer. It was very, uh, for, he was a smoker too, so, and that we, we didn't allow smoking basically in the van or anywhere mm. near the group. So it was rough on him and him and touring schedules was heavy and he couldn't handle it. And, uh, he really wanted to just to produce them and go in and engineer them. So that's what mm. he did. He left the band and that's what he started engineering the band, producing mm. them. He produced the record after Phil Spector, right? Oh yeah. He came back after they went through several different 
they were always looking for different producers. I mean, first they had right. Tommy, and then they had Stacy and Tommy, and then they wanted hits, so they kept on looking for the big, the big producer, like <laughs> Phil Spector. And you guys went Graham to Goldman. L.A. to make the Phil Spector, yeah, right? Yeah, the famous Gold Star Studio. Yeah, what what was it like meeting Phil Spector? <laughs> oh my God! First of all, he he was a big fan. He came to the whiskey show in 1977 mm -hmm. and came backstage. There's a picture of him in the book. What he looks like back then, right? And it was like crazy. He had a cape on and he had bodyguards, <laughs> and he was crazy. But he was. I mean, you don't know that till you met him personally. I mean, he's a great producer, right? But meeting him in '77, seeing him. Come back with a cape and this. There was no word on him being crazy yet at that point. No, not back in 77. It was more eccentric uh, producer, funny. but great producer. And that's why we wanted to work. They wanted to work with him. You Genius know? producer. Yeah. Incredible. But it, it was it was difficult in the studio. I talk about that in my book a bit. Uh, he, like uh, what happened? Well, he was, uh, he liked to listen to things over and over and over again. And the Ramones wanted to do things fast, you know, play mm. fast, blah, blah, blah. So he'd, just play things over again, play that chord again, play that chord again, drove Johnny crazy, you know? And he would, uh, he had his guns on him. And it was, he didn't like anybody in the studio, you know? Uh, then he'd, uh, he was drinking at the time. Uh, he'd go into the bathroom and drink and he'd change his clothes and come out. He would, goes in with like a like John Lennon cap and a t-shirt, come out with a cape and a, another outfit you know mm -hmm. <laughs> it was weird you know and he was doing stuff in the ba in the bathroom coke yeah and then there's times we, <laughs> we had a lot of drinking i heard that he was drinking manischewitz wine yeah. nice <laughs> that'll get you uh, marky at the time was a piss pal because he was drinking at the time and he would drink with him you know mm. that's when he was had his problem marky and um and you know there's the times we want to just leave the studio and he wouldn't let us leave you know how would he keep you? He would stand in front, take his gun out and wave it around. Give me oh. the keys, Marty, to the van because I was driving a van at the time, you know, to the hotel. So this is true. I was looking up stuff on the internet. I just wanted to ask you about Phil. It says at least one of the Ramones was held up at gunpoint by Phil Spector. Is that true? Well, we went up to his house a few times and in his house, you couldn't get out of the house and they unlocked it. It was like lock in, lock out, you know? So it was a time we were up there like hours and hours. He was like playing his piano, playing songs, playing the movies. And we wanted to get up and get out. He pulled a gun out. He didn't, he just waved it around, really. He had guns in his, you know, ankle holsters and his bodyguards and stuff. But, uh, yeah, he just waved it around and threatened. He really didn't, I didn't see him pointed at it. I mean, he might have done it when I was looking to Didi in another room or something. I don't know. Was there any internal conversation between you guys where, like, you pulled each other aside and said, hey, this dude is fucking nuts? <laughs> well, Did yeah. Did that ever happen? Yeah, or they, <laughs> they, <laughs> well, actually, they had to have a, a meeting with Phil and the, the record company in the Tropicana Motel there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that place. It was a rock and roll hotel. And they sat him down and said, Phil, you got to calm down a bit, you know, to continue this, the... Uh, Oh, he scared, he scared the Ramones. Well, yeah. He was, the, too, the he was out, too, uh, all, off the wall at times. And Ron, Johnny was flipping out. He wanted to leave all the time. Johnny wanted to cancel it? Yeah, he just wanted to get out of there. Why? Because he, he didn't like the way Phil was working. First of all, the Ramones liked to work fast. Yeah. Whatever they did, even a photo session was... I had trouble with photographers. I said, look, you had to take a couple of pictures. That's it. You know, right. They're not going to hang around and 
pose for you for an hour, you know? Yeah. So everything was fast. The songs are fast. The sets were fast. The recording was fast. So coming into a Phil Spector session, everything slowed down to a too slow for Johnny. And he just. I know, but I'm surprised to hear that because just Johnny seems like, you know, I have no idea, but just in my imagination of him seems ambitious. And so I would imagine he would equate, okay, let's go along with Phil because he could maybe produce a hit that would seem to override. Well, that's why I agreed to go with him and first, right. but then working with him is another thing. Right. When you're in the studio and things are happening that you're not, you don't like, so. Yeah. Were they happy with how the album came out? No. The, I mean, jo Joey loved it. Marky liked it. I don't think Johnny liked it that much. Because it was like less raw, probably. Well, you know, he put violins on things and. Right. Uh, <laughs> Orchestra in there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he was known for, so why the yeah, shock? Yeah, well, they, they tried it. They didn't like, you know, I mean, Joey liked it. I think Marky liked it a lot. And Dee Dee and Johnny went to punk. They wanted more raw, you know? Yeah. Well, he would do all, Phil Spector would have a range. He would do big wall of sound, but if you listen yeah. to Plastic Ono Band by John Lennon, that's produced by all Phil him. Spector, and it's raw and really minimal. And that, that previous to what we're discussing here, the John Lennon stuff? What year was that? Plastic on a band. I don't know. You'd have to and, um, Google, Google, Google it up, it. dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that. Probably around the same time. So he already had a huge name by the time yeah. the Ramones got to him. Dude, that, he was like a. Oh, yeah. Huge, oh, huge, my God. That huge time? Huge in the 60s. Yeah. Just, that's what I'm asking. It was yeah. Yeah. mega like, stuff. He did a huge wall of sound like. Uh, the Ronettes. And Ronettes, yeah. And oh, other okay. people. Spanish Harlem, blah, blah, blah. No, he, he, he had a lot of oh, big stuff. Big that's stuff. why I'm saying I'm surprised that Johnny didn't just like, oh, let's go along with this because, you know. By the way, I worked a little with Ronnie Spector afterwards. Oh, that's when cool. When the Ramones broke up. Uh, he, she got very friendly with Joey, and so I did a little road work with her. She's a beautiful person. That's nice. And going back to that, all the, uh, the um, end of the century album. That's that's the next box set coming out. Oh. And the great Ed Stasium. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a producer, engineer. Mm -hmm. Worked with Phil at the time. Right. And he worked, of course, with Joe, uh, Tommy, and other uh, on other Ramones albums. Great, great producer and engineer. So that's coming out now. Um, Next box set, they put, they're doing a series of box sets. So the first three albums have come out, and this is the next one coming out. That's cool. And uh, on this, on the all the way, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I gave it away. On the uh, end of the century album, happens to be the favorite song of the Ramones that I like. Uh, people come up to me and say, "What's your favorite Ramones song?" I say, "Well, I like a lot, but I have one favorite Ramones song, and it's on that album. It's called All the Way." Are you familiar with it? This, mm -mm. No. Because Joey wrote me into the song. Oh, really? Yes, Monty's driving me crazy. It's like being in the Navy. <laughs> all the way? Nice. Yeah, all the way, by the You can lyrics. play that if you want. Later. And they also had like a No, no Melnick. That was a. Yeah, that was like a. That would became a cult thing. Yeah, that too. was a. The crew did that one day. And what was that? On their crew room, they put up a sign No Melnick's. I can't go into the crew room. Because he was like the daddy. Yeah. Whatever, well, you know, the, I was higher. The parental figure. You know, there yeah, was the band the me manager, and then the, yeah. the roadies, you know, band me and the roadies. Yeah. They, you know, so um, then they started writing it on walls. Right. In the clubs and they'd write it on the ceiling. So people would say, I, I was at a club the other day and it says no Melix up there. What's that all about? You know? <laughs> yeah. And they actually, uh, there was uh, a video that they paid to put, they flashed no Melix up in Times Square on that big screen and where the, Ball drops. Mm -hmm. One of the videos, I forget the name of the video. They flash no Malik's in it. They actually paid to put it up in Times Square. 
That's wild. So I got my name Nomi like on Times Square. But it was a Ramon. It was a crude joke at the beginning. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, feedback feedback blasting out of my ears makes me so high. I love all the mo the monitor men, but why are they alive? Well, Monty's making me crazy. I should have signed up for the Navy. Yeah, right. Doomsday, doomsday, coming 1981. <laughs> They're also mentioning here that they hate the van. Did they hate the, was it all van in the beginning? Yeah, well, it's it different. Stayed no, the van, well, right? No, no, it was different. We, we had a lot of different vehicles. Mm. Uh, station wagons, cars. Then we took some buses out. There's a few pictures of me and the buses we had. The problem with the buses is very expensive in the States. And you have to sleep on them to make, you know, we didn't, we didn't we're in a, make a band where we could afford to do buses and hotels. So later on, we decided to do, in the United States and Europe, we did buses. I didn't, I didn't drive in Europe. They, we had buses. Um, and we didn't stay overnight in the buses. They would have the tour, we'd play, drive and have a hotel. So we we uh, developed a system in the States where we do sections. We do like, hey, California. So I had the crew drive a van out to California. We'd fly out there. Then we'd drive up and down California, then up the coast, down the coast, a week or two, then come back to New York. Then do the Midwest. Van goes there. Then we come uh, fly in or whatever. Do it the Midwest around that area and come back. So we did little sections later on in the van. And I have, of course, I had later on I had a driver for the van, so I wasn't doing all the driving. But uh, we did a lot of touring in the States in, in a van. But the early years we had buses and stuff. But as I said, they were very expensive to take out and not sleep on them to have a hotel and a bus. The funny thing about that, what happened later is uh, when we do those section tours, the crew had a bus because they had to get to the venue early, stay there, set up, stay there, break down, and drive to the next venue. So they slept on the bus. So <laughs> we get to these festivals, the big bus would drive in, and the crew gets out, and then I drive up in the van. <laughs> <laughs> the van shows up in the little station saying, wagon. That's what, no, it was a van at the time. Yeah, yeah. What the, what's this all about? It was pretty crazy. So, what, what's your reaction to the where how popular the band has become and how it's, legendary? It's and amazing, influential, it's incredible. I mean, there's, I mean, it's they're huge now. They're huge. Yeah, it's like uh, Beatles, Stones, Ramones. Yeah, legends. I mean, I wish they could were around to, to see that. Uh, well, they saw a little of it. Uh, a little, but not the way it is these yeah, last. No. I mean, after you know, uh, Johnny passed and Tommy passed. There was the, you know, Tommy saw a little bit of it more than the other ones because you know, Joey too. Well, yeah, but not as big as it is now. But because they weren't getting all these commercials and onto soundtracks of movies now and. Uh, it's amazing but all those 90s bands that were influenced by them joey saw that in the 90s they, i mean pearl jam well, and well, you too yeah well everyone that, what I mean, happened bands were big ba back then already and their ramones were clearly the influence well yeah well uh, as the last tour the Lollapalooza tour it was metallica headlining Soundgarden, rancid and then us you know wow so when i put the ramones on stage i'm looking there and there's the, all the bands they're all in huge awe, They were, no, they came back and they were like, oh yeah, Johnny became very good friends with Metallica and, and Pearl Jam, we opened up for Pearl Jam and they were hugely influenced and he became very friendly with Eddie Vedder and uh, 
Huge. Uh, I mean, I, we, I remember Metallica when we played Ohio. There were kids that came backstage. Say, well, hey, we're Metallica. There were kids, you know. <laughs> now, late years later, they're megastars. Poor Ramones are fourth on the bill there, whatever. It was frustrating. I mean, they, they appreciated, you know, Johnny became very good friends with, you know, Metallica and all those, Soundgarden and all that. Actually, was the lead singer for Soundgarden. Um, Chris, Chris Chris he's he buried. the last show at the 96 show at the Palladium. He's buried by Johnny, right? By jo well, Johnny's not really buried there. There's a statue there. Dee Dee's buried near uh, there. Dee Dee's okay. buried in that cemetery. If you get it, Hollywood forever. Yeah, if you get out there, it's an amazing cemetery. Yeah, you know, I've played there before. Ah, okay. Yeah. Good. It's also a venue. Yeah, yeah, that, they, yeah. They do a lot of different things there. Lots what do you play? I play guitar and sing. Uh, you have a band out now? Yeah, um, it's called Joseph Arthur, just my name, and then I'm and I'm in a band with Ben Harper and Danny Harrison oh. called Fistful of Mercy, and we played there. That's yeah. who I played there with. It's an amazing place, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. A lot yeah. of people buried there. Yeah. So uh, it's funny that, and then like Morrissey likes, wants to be buried next to Johnny for some weird, strange reason. <laughs> what did you think of Johnny's like, because he went quite like sort of politically different from the other guys, right? He or kept that they, to himself. Oh, it was all kept. Otherwise, Joey, Joey was a liberal and Eddie Vedder, for God's sakes, yeah. he hung out with Eddie Vedder, was big fans, but they right. would just talk yeah. baseball. Yeah. They didn't talk politics because, you know, yeah. hey, hanging out with Eddie Vedder, Republicans, liberal you know please yeah. you know and Joey was very liberal too yeah so they just but, didn't but Johnny was pretty uh, pretty conservative oh my god hugely conservative like he's an interesting character just like the whole his whole sort of He's got a very sort of military discipline like I guess, I guess. well he went to a military school oh I didn't know that well that, that explains that huh. <laughs> his parents made him go to military school for it wasn't there very long but there's pictures of him in the in the outfit if you look for it yeah, it's interesting. What was that like being around that energy? Was he because he was kind of the alpha, probably, especially if your well, job he, was he the was, tour manager. He's the he was the general, you know. Right. So would you would you take orders from him? Like, well, I'd have to. His the band. It's called the manager. Didn't he get jealous the band, when you would hang out with Joey manager. though? Yeah, he didn't like that. He, well, the problem is I had to help Joey because of his right OCD. You know, and I was good friends with him, so I had to make sure that Joey had the right things on tour otherwise i'd have to go and get stuff mm -hmm. so i'd help them i say you have this you have that you have packed your vitamins whatever you've taken and then i'd I have to get him out of his room and out of his house so i was go up there and you were like a caretaker and, yeah and, and at a hotel room i, could, I had to get, say come on and so johnny thought, thought i was like favoring him but he, i think he realized later on it was I, I I was just helping because otherwise they wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Basically, you know, yeah. Somebody else would have got drag him out and do the things. You are kind of like his caretaker. Well, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't like Maybe that too word. Too far. I don't like that word caretaker. No, I mean I was helping him as much as I could because. Right. I mean I was helping myself too because if he didn't bring something, like a, the, his vitamins or his medicine or something, I made on the road I'd have to go and make sure to get it or you know right. or a belt or whatever socks whatever he didn't you know I'd make sure he was packed properly and so yeah I helped him with that sure Were, being around that level of OCD would you kind of like go like oh I know you're gonna have to do I know you're gonna have to touch that wall 30 times like or would you would your mind start like uh, you know what I mean like 
predicting yeah. it or like get... nothing, no nothing to predict i know what's gonna happen right but i did tell him though i'm I just told, wondering how that affected i you. told him like the wrong time i said it was an hour difference that i was picking him up you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> luckily he didn't check his watches or anything because he didn't so you'd factor in the time yeah i factor in like you know i was going to be there earlier than i was going to be there you know right so little tricks like that that's cool Thank goodness he didn't look at those at clocks. <laughs> That's why the OCD is fascinating to yeah, me. Yeah, it it's is. Just, what were her quirks in the van each time? Well, once he was in the van, it was okay. So was just sitting down and then put on a headset and listen to his Walkman or something. That was fine, you know. And how about songwriting or in the studio? How do you deal with that? Well, fine, basically. I mean, I don't think it affected his songwriting or. Or singing in the studio or anything. I didn't notice anything in the studio. Just getting to the studio, getting out of the studio. Once he was in there, it was like going on stage. No issues on um, stage. No, I mean, he wasn't just jumping off the stage to touch something, no. Right. <laughs> no, once he was on, once he got going, it was fine. It's just the getting going is the point of it, you know what I mean? What was the best gig the Ramones ever had? Oh my God! You're talking, you know, how many shows? Two thousand two hundred sixty. I know. What was the one? What's like? What's, what's the top? <laughs> I, I don't know. There's so many of them. I mean, you yeah. know. Uh, I forget the. What's the worst? <laughs> That'll be easier. Oh, I don't know. Early years, you know, uh, opening. People didn't understand the Ramones in the early years. I had a lot of problems with the club owners. You guys opened up for Ted Nugent, right? Or yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> not good. That was not good. Because that was actually nineteen seventy-eight. We were. Uh, so Did he have guns back Canadian. Then? We didn't meet him. We. I mean, we were early on the bill. For God's sake, Ted oh. Nugent was. You know, we were in the afternoon. It was daytime. Uh, it was a uh, festival in Canada. Mm. Huge place. The thirty thousand people there. So the Ramones started coming out. People were throwing. St- with the food on stage right it was bad and so there's a famous shot of them if you look it up right before they left the Ramones like give the finger to the crowd 30,000 people mm-hmm. Dee Dee and Johnny like that there's a great picture of that I'll show you I've had it on my phone later remind yeah. me I'll show it okay. to you you know hey fuck you 30,000 people <laughs> and then opening up for like Black Sabbath that was a problem wow why <laughs> Because Black Sabbath yeah. audience didn't want to hear the Ramones, right? And they were throwing a little harder stuff, like uh, like uh, coins and Uh-oh. batteries, and it got very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, batteries. Well, in the early years, the promoters, the, the booking agents, we went through several different booking agents in the beginning. They didn't know what to do with them, right? So they're sticking them on Black Sabbath, Ted Nugent, Nugent, uh, uh, Toto. How's no, that's, that for, that's crazy. How's that for weird? My building? manager manages Toto, actually. The only good thing about that show is by the time <laughs> Ramones got off stage, the, the, the audience woke up, so right. it was okay. <laughs> I get it. Because <laughs> Toto put him to sleep. It's another joke. I, <laughs> yeah. pract- this is my second career. Yeah, we got that one. <laughs> my second career, I'm going to do stand-up. That's uh, funny. <laughs> so uh, eventually they figured that, no, don't open up. Let's headline smaller venues. Of course, festivals they could headline in Europe and stuff like that. And some festivals in the States, when they got bigger, we could do it. But in the early years, the booking, we went through several different booking agents. They didn't know what to do. As I said, when I first saw them, I didn't know what to figure out what they were doing either. How long Neither was the drummers. Set? 30 minutes. 30 minutes you know, or less? Were, no, no, it's 30 minutes. 30? I mean, in the, in the early years, it was a little shorter. Yeah. But they developed a little, uh, 30, 40 minutes with an, some, an encore on top of that. Like 30 songs or something. <laughs> a lot of songs. Did you ever get uh, asked to 
tour manage any other bands, any other acts around that well, time? Not, no. This is a full time job. Right. And it was like one thing after another. And they paid me off the road. I did, I worked with them in the videos. I worked with them getting in and out of uh, records, recording studios. So it was a full time thing. So I didn't have to look. That's the lucky thing about what I went through. Most tour managers, you do a band, then you got to look for another band. And right. Band. I was lucky. They kept me around for 20 years. And they toured like how many dates, how many days a year? It depends on the year. Sometimes more, sometimes like a couple hundred, three hundred, two hundred. Yeah. It depends. Sometimes In the back of my book, I list all the shows right. and it, by year, so you can see how many shows a year we did. If you want to go back there and start counting, be my guest. Didn't Johnny like keep a record yes, of every show? He like, did. That helped me, but I also kept the record too. So he. Uh, kept the record up to a certain point and then i added on to in my book i list every single show they played the so back. how many is the total 2263 2263 i'll tell you how many years that is that's wild 20 no 20 no, no how, many, how many how many does that actually come up to 200 200 well you know different years was different you know some years we, we do no, when yeah. you put that together yeah yeah what all there was heavy touring they had one tour called the non-stop world tour mm. <laughs> we didn't stop that's why tommy didn't like the, all the touring he was he didn't really want to go out and schlep around as much as he just wanted to stay and produce and engineer it was rough on him he didn't like touring knowing what's involved with tour managing a little bit you're talking days no internet no cell phones like how I, I was, when yeah. you go to europe how does the manager get a hold of you how do you get the itinerary how the hell does that work what in the early years you're yeah talking? oh yeah it was rough i didn't have uh how the hell do you go to europe with well, a band and know well, where to they're, go they're, well you <laughs> you stick together first of all <laughs> you know we, we had you know a, what it is like to tour well, imagine back well, then a we had just trying to get a hold of I you did in it. Europe. I did it. Well, I no, went to Europe no, with no, no internet. Well, first of all, we were lucky. We had good booking agents. All right. Before the tour, I get the to the itinerary and I make it up an itinerary with where we were, what hotels we were in, what venues we were in, the, the numbers of the venues, the numbers of hotels. Of course, everybody. It was easy to get in touch. There was phones back then, you know. So everybody knew where we were. I'd have a tour. I'd make the tour itineraries out, and so we know exactly where we're going, where we're staying, etc. They figured it uh, out. But you know, not well, like, so many things can go wrong. I just it just blows well, no, my but mind not, when I think well, about yeah, it. Well, yeah, but if it's properly done with good booking agents, good uh, promoters, yeah, a great tour manager. Exactly. And, uh, That's the uh, <laughs> you know. But here in the states, before cell phones, before GPS. What I'd do, I'd go to AAA. Right, and get the maps. <laughs> I'd get maps. And then I'd Xerox, I'd look at the, 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 the tour, and I'd say, well, I'm going to Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit. And I'd Xerox the maps, a couple of different maps. Highlight, highlight them, yeah. give them to the, right before the next show, I'd give them to the truck driver, give them to the bus driver, give them to the crew. This is how you go, this is where you go. And then i know where to go. So I figured out all in advance. But, but the, uh, I wish I had the, the GPS and cell phones. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, later on, I had a cell phone. At, you know, late uh, 80s, 90s, I got the cell phone. So not not GPS, it was just a standard yeah, flip yeah, phone. Yeah, early but, phones. You know, was, I, you know, it was rough in it. You know, I was rough in it. It was, that kept me busy. It was very interesting. Hey, with the book, you have a co-writer, right? How, yeah, Frank Meyer. Uh, great guy. He's did a terrific job. He's... 
He's uh, he's in a lot of bands in L.A. Street Walking Cheetahs, and uh, I think he's working work with James Williamson and a lot of people. Uh, well, the thing is, was uh, Joey put an album on Sanctuary Record, his solo album, Sanctuary mm -hmm. Records, and they had a publishing company at the time. So, a good friend of mine, Kevin Patrick, no, the um, main guy over there, at Sanctuary, said, "Come on, let's." Come over. We'll do a book. I said, oh, "I'm not. A, I don't. I'm not a writer. I was not really a writer." So wait, whose idea was the book? Well, uh, people kept on asking me to do a book over the years, but I said, "You know, I'm not a writer." And right. Joey was still around, and I didn't want to put things in the book that, you know, could could hurt us. Yeah. So when he passed away, I, the book came out and stuff. So they had a publishing company, and so I went up, and met with them, and I said, "Look, I'm not a, really a writer." They said, "We'll get your ghostwriter." But he did such a great job, Frank. I said, you can have co-credit on, on, uh, on the book with me. That's cool. Yeah, he's a great guy. How'd they l link you up with him and what was well, that like? the uh, publishing company knew of him. They, they had several people that... You picked that, him? Did yeah, he, he also was doing... He was a journalist, too, doing stuff for LA uh, Magazine and stuff like that. He was a writer, too. So, Did you interview a few different ghostwriters? Uh, I just got him, and he, he was a huge Ramones fan. Mm -hmm. We got along very well right away. Boom, took it. And then they, he, I gave him co-credit. And what was the process like? Would he interview you? or what? Well, he, it's a lot of oral history. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of uh, telephone calls to different people and came to my house, spent a week and a half, and we went through all my... Vast collection at the time. Uh, if you look in the book, I was very lucky with the publishing company that they let me put in all these pictures right. and images. There's over like 300 pictures and images in a book. It was very rare. Yeah. Because usually it's like text, 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 some pictures, black and white. But they let me put in color photographs of posters, tour passes, itineraries, photos, lots of stuff in there. That's awesome. And I had it. And so we went through all the stuff in my house. We picked up certain things. And the funny thing about Sanctuary was an English company, so we had to send everything to London. <laughs> they photographed it, put it in a book. I had a great art director; it was terrific. Right. They did a really nice job. If you ever see the beautiful cover, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, the, it's uh, animated. Like well, the cover you was know, one of the guy who did the Ramones cover. Yeah. Well, John Holmstrom, Punk Magazine, the terrific uh, uh, and it's you and eight of them in the van. Well, that's that's there's a reason behind that. When my book came out. When, when we're doing the book, I said, well, you know, when am I going to put on a cover? Usually it's the picture of the band. But I work with eight different Ramones, right. four, five different setups. I said, I'm going to put all these different pictures. No, let's do a cartoon with John Holmstrom, the terrific cartoonist, uh, illustrator. And they, he did that to great. Uh, Who are the? I like members? that. I like that it says two thousand two hundred and sixty-three miles to go. Yeah, that's, that's that, a little. That's a little thing from the shows. Right. That's I put that many, on the front there. I said, yeah. I, I say that to people. What does that mean? They said, What's that? That's how far is the Berlin? No, no, no. I caught it. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there. There's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yoo-hoo. Johnny's wearing a, a, a Yankees T-shirt. He's a Yankees fan. Mm -hmm. Joey's reading Punk magazine because John Holmesman had to put that little thing in there. There's Yoo-Hoo things flying off the top because Johnny liked to drink Yoo-Hoo. And all the bottles behind the yeah, van. Yeah, that's Yoo-Hoo, well. yeah. Oh, that was a Yoo-Hoo? Yoo different stuff. There's things flying off the van. And we're coming out of the CBGBs in the background and right. Pinhead's tracing the van in the back there. It was a great job he did. I was ha very happy that I got him to do it. So would he Thank you, John. Would he record you, Frank, I mean, when you were like when you guys would meet up? Is that how yeah, was he yeah, taking he notes? No, or? he had a little recorder. And uh, then we... Uh, you know, I did a little my own uh, saying this, that, uh, 
on different areas of my speaking and, and then we'd call up all these people. It's basically a lot of oral history. So I knew it every, everybody and we interviewed everybody on the phone and transcribed it and put it in a book. Has it been a, an emotional experience for you? It was book? at the time, cathartic, yeah. very cathartic. Yeah. Because I went over my whole career. And, and uh, kind of, I start off talking about how I got involved with Tommy. Right. And, and I list all the different bands I was with, in, 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 uh, with Tommy first there in, from Forest Hills. And uh, I take it from there and I talk about 30 Days Out a little bit and then and how I got into the Ramones and I, then I go into the Ramones, each different uh, uh, set up a grouping of the Ramones over the years. Right. Who do you, who do you think was like the real songwriting genius of the Ramones? Yeah, or was uh, it just... D.D. Joey. D.D. Joey? Yeah, both of them. Yeah. They were, um, you know, D.D. was a songwriter machine. Talented dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he left, I think, 89, everybody's, you know, I thought, well, this is, you know, what are they going to do? You know. But Johnny said, don't worry, we'll get somebody. But D.D. stayed and start, wrote songs for them later. Mm. So we had the great songwriting of Didi because he was like phasing out at the Is that time. That when he went into rap. Yeah, he wanted to. Well, they let him do raps. Didi King. Yeah, <laughs> funky man. They they figured do your do your solo album that'll get off your off your chest and maybe come back to the Ramones because he's like fading and he didn't really want to be around because he was into hip hop. Well, yeah, and he wanted to do other things. He, he as he said he didn't like being in the Ramones army anymore. You know, it was right. like being in the army with John, Johnny. So they said, look, okay, do your rap album. You got to get out of the way. But you still will still do the Ramones, of course. Cause, but, you know, one day we're going to D.C. and on the plane, and he shows up in a full rap album, this jumpsuit and the gold chains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Johnny flipped out. He says, what are you crazy? <laughs> this is what the Ramones. We're going to the Ramones thing. You, you can't do that. You know, you can't walk around like the hip-hop thing. <laughs> so then in 89, he left. But he still... The beautiful part about that is he uh, start continued writing songs, and we had a young Didi. The CG is terrific, mm-hmm. and he's great. He did a great job. He's actually the first one we auditioned, out of like twenty different bass players. He was the first one. Johnny brought him back. He knew he saw something. Did a great job, great job. And it was like having uh, they had to st- like suck in their stomachs to keep up with him. So they gave he gave him a num- number of years, more years, right. to keep going. And they had the great songwriting of Didi. Still, yeah. And would Johnny make those decisions, or would the band make the decision about picking the bass? Well, no, the mm-hmm. band he would just in front of the band, right? But I mean, I'm just saying, who was in well, control? No, of the well, no, Johnny was saw it dem- something democratic there, democratic or not? Yeah, really? pretty much. De- yeah, I mean, if there was something that they really didn't like, they would say. But uh, CJ did a he fit in, mm-hmm. he, he, and Johnny saw that. He said, "This kid's got it." Oh, go ahead. So didn't Diddy battle addictions early uh, yeah. on? Early, uh, through the whole thing. Right. to the life, end, dude. yeah, uh, okay. the beginning to the uh, end. Yeah, and yeah, was yeah, that yeah. ever he died. Did, did that come up as an issue in the band where they're like, if you don't stop, you're gonna have to leave? Any any kind of those conversations? Yeah, well, you know, luckily enough, he didn't miss any shows. Now, Marky had that problem with the alcohol, and he missed a show, and it was that really pissed him off and he was heavily drinking bad so they kicked him out of the grand band but uh, Didi did not Didi well you know he had to go into rehab several times uh, and uh, but he never f- never missed a show he was always made every tour went on stage fine no problems and he wasn't falling down or anything so as long as he didn't fuck up during a show yeah fine. yeah absolutely Johnny would have pointed that out 
It's wild. Wild stuff, man. It's a wild, wild world. What do you think? Do you do you look look back at it all and just like, like uh, pinch yourself for being, you know, involved in I'm such done. a legendary I'm, outfit? I look back and I, and I say, why am I still standing here now? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's being part of a a legend, and I'm very happy about that. I mean. They're so big now. I have a, another joke from my stand-up comedy. If the Ramones were this big when I was working for them, I would have gotten a big raise. Yeah. Right. Well, the book is that kind of that. You know, though. if they continued on, I would have gotten more money. And we would, if, if Joe was in better shape, they would have continued on. Yeah. Well, the book kind of facilitates that. And somebody's going to end up making a movie out of it and give you like millions of dollars probably. That, have you consult? That'd be good. I'm waiting for that. I mean, the How book's been out make a movie about the 2000s. Because the, uh, the Ramones Corporation was Johnny and uh, Joey. Dee Dee wasn't a part of it. They, they corpor- incorporated after Dee Dee left and Tommy wasn't around. He was early. So, so that's the Ramones Corporation. Once Johnny and Joey passed away, went to their relatives, Linda and Mickey Lee. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they don't get along very well. So yeah. they stopped a lot of things. That CBGB's movie, there was a CBGB's movie. Right. That got scrapped. Man, yeah. Man, it, Mandy. Then the, the, so. Mandy Stein. And no, no, Seymour no, Stein's no, 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 daughter. no, no. This is a CBGB's. She made it something different. She's a good friend of mine. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. That, yeah I, I love like her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You still, Shout out, Mandy. You talk to her? Oh, yeah. Tell yeah. her I say hello. I will, yeah. I see her all. I mean, not all the time, but when I yeah, go to tell LA. Tell her I say hello. I I, she's good. She used to, I used to work with the whole of science. She came by there with her family. And, that's cool. Of course, I was in that movie with the, uh, what was, I think it was the 30th anniversary party or something. Right. That was a movie she did. Very good. Yeah. But there when was you go a, to her house, there's so many classic Ramones photos with Seymour and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. And Seymour's so. terrific. I mean, yeah. he's a whole Seymour. Moment. Seymour Stein. Seymour Stein. Shame on you. <laughs> Listen, are you talking to a foreigner here? Where are you from? Where are you from? What, 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 he signed oh, the Ramones. I didn't hear about he the Ramones signed, until like signed, 2000. He signed the Talking Heads. He signed Madonna, Talking Heads I heard about. Madonna. Ramones. Madonna. He signed Madonna. And a million other bands. He's, Is he still around? Yeah, he's yeah, still around. Yeah, he's still Can you around. get him on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Mandy could do it. Yeah, maybe. That's his daughter, Seymour Mandy Stein. Stein. Okay, good to know. Um... And he put out a great book. If you ever pick up his book, yeah, I went to his book reading actually in the city. Yeah, I was at one of his readings in Rough Trade in Brooklyn. It was good. I, I was in the audience, and he—he's a good friend of mine. So he said, "Hey, Monty, how are you?" Yeah. And he signed his book. Thank you, Monty, the fifth Ramon. Yeah, he calls me the fifth Ramon. The ninth Ramon. Actually, that's what I tell people. I don't like to be called the fifth. The if ninth. you wanted to, I'll go down Arturo ninth, maybe me tenth, and then Anastasium and other people. Yeah. Right. But there's Marquis the fifth actually. <laughs> So the family doesn't get along. That's why. Oh nothing. no, he was yeah. telling a story about Seymour well, though, like something. No, CBGB's movie. Yeah. There was a movie yeah. they put it out briefly, but in the movie they did a horrible job portraying yeah. the Ramones, and Linda didn't like the way Johnny was portrayed. They wouldn't let her use a Ramone song in the movie. They had to use a Joey Ramone song mm. in the movie. Here's a movie on CBGB's. He sounds like the Ramones. Yeah. His song, some of his songs when you pick them, but they yeah. she wouldn't let him use the Ramones song in it. So they fight all the time. So I'm, it's un- about dumb stuff. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. So how's Queens nowadays compared to back then? With My everything? neighborhood's like all or, uh, Chinese and Koreans now. Mm. <laughs> I feel like a foreigner. Speaking of being a foreigner. What do you think about what's going on with New York right now, though? 
Uh, the world. <laughs> yeah, in the world. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, there was, this is oh, it's really bad. It's really I mean, crazy, man. You know, I was in-house manager in the Queen's Theater in, in the park there. Right. Flushing Meadow Park. I had a nice little gig there. And Wait, what were you doing? You were In-house manager. Of what? Queen's Theater in the Park. Oh, Queen's Theater. A nice theater. little venue. You know where those towers are in the park? The Men oh, okay. in Black Towers? Yeah. There's a theater there, 500 seat theater and a cabaret nice. theater. And you were managing. Black, black box theater there. Yeah, I was in house manager. So who now? I mean, Broadway's closed. Right. No venues, music venues, I think sporting of that. events. I think it's of a, that too. It's, it's, oh man. I mean, we're burning down the world and ending live music and all this for like a virus. Well, anyway, don't get me started. Come on, that. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but so, still, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, bad. it's, it's, it's really bad. And it's seemingly getting like crime is spiking, and I don't. I'm, it seems to be like headed towards doomsday. Actually, everybody's leaving New York. Is have been people leaving Queens? Are you thinking about leaving, or are you staying? I think about it all the time, but it's not an easy move, you know. No, you can't. Well, the states don't. You know, you can get out of New York, but you can't get back into New York. Right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I can't fly around really that well, and uh, I'm waiting in a couple of months. Maybe I'll do, do a move. We'll see. Yeah, I'm thinking about it myself. Where would you go? Um, I think about upstate. I think about Mexico, Baja. I have a community of people in That's Todos nice. Santos. Wow. I, I like a lot. You That'd know, be cool. so I think of those kind of things. You just gotta watch out, not the virus, the drug cartels. I mean, exactly. That's another problem. <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody trying to get you somewhere. True. But what about upstate? You ever go up there? Oh, yeah. Because, as I said, uh, Angela's sister was my girlfriend, and second, third girlfriend lived upstate. Yeah, so you we, and Joey would go up there. Yeah, right? up to yeah. Saugerties, Woodstock. We'd drive up there all the Beautiful, time. Beautiful, right? Oh, man, I loved it up there. The waterfalls. See, that's what I'm talking Creeks about. Creeks and stuff. But then you, you're isolated up there. I know, but... I mean, what I like about the city, I'm in Queens, but I just could pop in like today. I feel you. Great parking, by the way, here at 6 yes. o'clock. Right oh, over there. Yeah. Can that's, I ask about the Ramones again? Yeah, sure. <laughs> forget Dude, the virus. Dude, uh, wait, what? <laughs> forget what? Forget the virus. For Dude, now. we go like we go into current events for five minutes. Dude, god damn, bro. All right, let's go back down memory lane. Holy shit! <laughs> Is this true? It said on the internet, on the interwebs, that they ate so much curry before the shows they had special buckets for vomit. No. That's false. We, we, yeah, but y'all yeah. were foodies, right? There was one time like uh, Johnny was sick or something, uh, and he had a just one show, and he had to go into side of stage and throw. Right, so up. that's false. That's good to know. Yeah, they did like Indian food though, because what everybody's been waiting to hear. I mean, <laughs> I have another one. Oh, come well, on. It dude. says they, they pulled the clash and the sex pistols through a window to help them sneak into a show. Yeah, they did that. And when they first time they went to London and the roundhouse, they helped them. They story. Found, what, they what's the full story there? That's the full. That's, that's they it. There were kids that's hanging it. out. They Bro, were. You're <laughs> killing me right now. <laughs> well, hey, okay, I'm done like, with my question. Well, <laughs> they were kids. They were, they were semi. <laughs> They had, you know, <laughs> they were halfway known in England, the, the the Clash and the Sex Pistols and all those guys. So the Ramones kind of knew about them and they were friendly to them. And they, we got them in the backstage. I don't know about pulling up into windows. We got them in the backstage. And another time, the story with Johnny Rotten, uh, and, and this is at the, at the Roundhouse, uh, 
the Ramones never liked to have pitched beer, but they like always like bottles, not cans. But they, you know, some clubs would put pitch, pitches of beer. And in England, there was pitches of beer, so they piss in the beer. Johnny Rotten came back, and they gave for him a beer, and he drank it. He liked it. You know, the English don't have much taste for the beer. <laughs> it's urine therapy. Yeah. It's popular. So that's a big joke. They would laugh and It's stuff. actually healthy. He hates the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've heard that. So, But you, you guys were foodies. Yes. We'd like to different places. We'd like uh, like Norfolk crab cakes, mm -hmm. Cincinnati, chili, five-way chili. Yeah, chili, chili in Cincinnati, five-way. Well, I'm from Ohio. Oh, there you go. Since five-way, right? Yeah. Uh, you know... California tacos mm -hmm. they were crazy about this one taco place they had to go to yeah so they had certain things when we hit the different cities they we go back to we make sure the promoter and Norfolk brought us crab cakes and stuff like that yeah. cheesesteak in Philly yeah and uh, all, and but the thing is the early years in Europe well actually England actually 70s late 70s Food was horrible. So the only good food was Indian food. That's how they got a big taste for the Indian in, in food. In the UK, that, that used to be true. Yeah. I mean, London, well, now, even, even when I yeah. lived there, now it got better. Oh, yeah. It All got the better. Years, everything got better, like the TV, the, the, the hotels. And yeah. Everything. In the UK, you could have like, you know, Indian food and chocolate was killer. Yeah. Everything chocolate? else was like, yeah, their chocolate is still to this day, it's so much better than here. Really? Yeah. Cat just like the chocolate you Cadbury. get. Cadbury. Yeah. But uh, that's how they developed a taste for the Indian food. Mm. Right. And uh, they liked it hot. I mean, Mark used to, they used to t challenge Mark to eat the hottest thing. Then you just sit there and watch him like sweat, you know. <laughs> that's uh, cool. Yeah. I, I can ask more questions. <laughs> the last show, 1996, yeah, I think. Right. Did you know it was going to be the last show? Well, they mentioned it. But did you did you well, go I, in knowing okay this is my last time this is it, it you know they several other times other tours they said this is the last one this is the last mm -hmm. one it this one pretty much felt like the last one because Johnny had moved out to L A settled down out there and just and Joey wasn't you know this wasn't in great shape so he wanted to stop so that's He's just tired well you know he had his uh, physical problems and stuff and tired yeah he was he was he had a lot of his foot and his. He had lymphoma and all that stuff. Yeah. So he, he and, he, and the touring was grinding. So he wanted to stop for a while. And Johnny, Johnny figured that was it. I mean, they had a couple of tours before that. They said, this is the last one. This is the last one. But this was the last one. What was it like backstage after the show well, that jo night? Nothing. Uh, Johnny left right away. Dee Dee hung around with like Lemmy and stuff. It was kind of sad. Did you know it was going to be the end of it at well, that point? Well, I figured this is serious. Yeah. It felt pretty serious and depressing. And and then John started giving away his amps and road cases and things. I figured that was that. <laughs> That's wild that he did that. Oh, yeah. He just got rid of it all. He was hardcore, huh? Yeah. Interesting. He had a thing in his mind where he had a certain number of... The, in his bank and he hit that number and said that's it he moved to LA and got a house and and then he retired and then yeah. everybody all the other bands idolized him and come over to his house and stuff so he's like living the good dream there with the other bands coming to him and what about Joey uh, what his life was he stayed in the East Village right well yeah he had a house 
couple apartments over on 9th Street. Yeah. And uh, he kept, you know, he wanted to keep on doing things. He did his little uh, Joey Mon uh, shows and stuff like that. And he always, his solo album, so he kept going. Yeah. The best that he could. Did he take you out for that or not? I worked with him in the, well, he didn't go on tour. He did it in clubs. Like uh, Still, would he need you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I helped him do the uh, financial, bringing things together. I think it was the uh, Limelight and Continental and I think he did something in Irving Plaza. He he did his little shows. He liked to bring bands in and, you know, be the promoter and kind of pick the bands and like a showcase like, yeah well they had themes like halloween and christmas and stuff like that and i'd help him out with that that's cool and then uh he got very friendly with ronnie specter and wrote some a song for her and and she loved him and then i did some uh little touring with her actually i worked with degeneration for a little bit jesse mallon he's a great guy out. hey jesse that was Shout great. It was such a different thing, though, dealing with them. Because they'd sit in a van and, hey, they're joking around and smiling and telling jokes. And it was like... Having everyone, a good time. Yeah, it was like different for me. You know, it was like great. But the Ramones were just like stoic Yeah, and they, would, they would sit there and listen to their own individual Walkman or whatever they were listening to at the time. Johnny was on the, listening to a baseball game or something on his little radio or something. Right. <laughs> the glory of rock and roll, if people only knew. <laughs> You know, but it's wild because uh, I'm not sure those days. I don't. I don't know that live music will ever get back together. Yeah, yeah, well, then there'll be a there'll be a vaccine, and they'll, that'll be that. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, what? It's got a. You know, it is. It's, it's it's fixable. I don't know. You got a flu vaccine and all know. that. You know. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. That's the problem. We'll see. It's, well, according to Trump, it's just going to disappear on its own. Just yeah. fade away. Like magic. Like magic. He just keeps on, nah, it's going to go away. Anyway, let's hope live music returns. It will. Yeah. There's still the little, little venues and things I've seen popping up. People have been playing like in space. Yeah, I just did a gig with G.E. Smith up in... Uh, um, Long Island. Uh, what Long kind of venue? Hamptons. Oh, uh, Stevens Talk House. You Inside? We played inside, and then people outside could watch us on TVs, like right next. Like Was there people at inside? The venue. Not while we were playing. Okay. Like we were inside. Yeah. yeah so was it was a very strange way to play a gig. Yeah. But, you know, these kind of ways are. There's an, I think there was up. another Hampton event that the people, too many people outside, and then together, that was a problem. I think the governor didn't like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the Chainsmokers right before we played the week before. Opened up for you guys. And uh, yeah, so I've seen a little things like in the Tompkins, Tompkins Square Park. Uh, there's a little busking. Yeah, there yeah. was a little, there was a show. There's a bunch of people. Rue Star played there. You know Rue Star? Rue. Yeah. Rue sounds, and who? Sounds familiar. She played there as a friend of mine, and I, I went there. But everybody was pretty much spaced out. They yeah. Had a little PA, little PA, and then a couple of groups played, but it was very spaced out. So a little bit, a little bit. That's little why bit. you're here. Well, actually. you got some optimism, man. I'm, that's good. I want it to well, rub off to. on I me. I can't sit yeah. around and say, this is it. Well, I, I don't think that. I just think life is changing. I'm excited about like the prospect of surviving because that seems like a fun challenge. 
but like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not well, giving I'm not giving up on life, but it's definitely well, I, I definitely feel like it's, it's time it, to get out of big cities. It definitely seems like it, where it's going now. It's like it's survival. I had it a little bit. Very oh, mild did? case, very yeah. low temperature. This is like a couple of months ago. Did you get tested? Of course, I got tested and I got the antibodies and I donated plasma. Wow. And actually, they want me to come back and give some more plasma. That's going to cool. suck me dry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's survivable. I mean, I had a yeah. very, I was lucky because. Well, it's 99 point, it's two, yeah, yeah it's if you're, very if low you're, death rate. It, it on depends it. on, you know, uh, pre existing conditions. If right. you have diabetes or you're heavier. It's Luckily, very survivable. Uh, thank God I'm in good shape. Aren't so. the Ramones yeah. a pre existing condition? <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> Don't tell my. That's pretty good. Don't tell my health comfort. <laughs> That's my stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say shout well, out yeah, to Charlie like Crespo uh, who introduced us oh, to yeah, you. Oh, okay. That you met him in Thompson that Square there. Park. I that's like, why you came here. I like here. Charlie. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That was fast. When he yeah. said that Thompson Square Park story, that's where he bumped into quick. Charlie who told yeah. us he bumped into you. We reached out to yeah. you and that's why you're here. Well, he, really he's fast. my neighbor. That was really quick. Shout out to Charlie. All right. That was good. Yeah. Well, the the Ramones definitely prepared you to uh, fight off the corona. If you can tour with the Ramones for over 2,000 shows. 20 yes. years. You can survive anything. That's what I keep on saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for doing it. My pleasure. Get the book, everybody. On the road with the Ramones. On the the bonus edition the has to be the Red Available Ramones writing. Red Ramones writing. Limited edition. I'll put the no, cover. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'll wait. put That's the, the wrong cover. One. This is uh, the right one. Yeah, let uh, me right. have that. Yeah. I'll put it to this camera. If it's not too personal, what was the, what was the last time you saw Joey? In the, in the hospital. In the hospital? You went to visit him? Yeah, like, like maybe a week before he passed. Anything you could share about that? No, it was, uh, wasn't in good shape, you know? It's painful. You know? Rest in peace, Joey yeah, Ramon. Joey, Johnny, Thank Didi, you for everything. Tommy. Joey, Johnny, Didi, Tommy. Yeah, rest in peace, all of them. Yeah. So wild. What do you think happens? Do you get any, like, visitations from their spirits or anything? Do you have any kind of belief in those sort of things or what? Well, sometimes I have dreams about touring and on the road with them and stuff like that. I, they haven't visited me, no. But, but the dream might be a visitation. It could be. Yeah. Do you believe in like the afterlife or anything like that? Mm, no, not really. Hmm. Did the Ramones have any spiritual practices? No, they never talked about anything like no. that. <laughs> you guys were just pretty cut and dry. <laughs> no nonsense. That's yeah. like the heart of New York. Stripped it's why. Down. It's why you guys represent New York so well. Stripped down to the bone. Yeah. No nonsense. Yeah. None of this woo-woo stuff. <laughs> right? Right. No pre-show rituals. Nothing. Well, they'd warm up before each show. That's they'd it. They'd have a little practice amp and a little drum practice drum pad mm -hmm. uh, Johnny and the drummer and, and the bass player whoever it was at the time would warm up before every show and Joey would go in another room and do vocal exercises before every show they would warm up they were, I, they I were like dedicated yeah. and, and when they were off the road they would practice they would go into rehearsal studios when they were off the road there was a week or two a week of rehearsals every wow. single tour discipline I love that hat thank you a good one representing Arturo, where did you, where did Arturo you get Vega he, he made a bunch of hats 
Can you get that in the merch store? Is that old school? No, that's old, old. Old so. school. <laughs> you have a bunch of merch from every tour? Or I did, really? but I, I auctioned off a lot of my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you have any, like, prized possession of, like... Well, a couple of gold records. Oh, that's good. Nice. And a couple of signed by all of them, uh, box sets and things like that. But, you know, I had a whole room full of, like, posters and tour passes and things. It was just sitting in there. And there was a... Uh, show in queen's museum hormones exhibit exhibition 2016 or so it's a huge thing it's a huge show so i had a lot of my memorabilia in there and then it went to la to the grammy museum and then it was supposed to tour the world like you know the bowie bowie exhibit and stuff right but they were fighting of course the two of them that's a shame so i pulled all my stuff out and i said you know it's not doing me any good sitting in my house so i had like 14 different auctions. It was kind of like my pension from the Ramones. Mm. Thank goodness, you know? So a lot of my stuff's out there. Did you make a lot? Yeah, it did good. Nice. And it, the, and the time, book, you know, too. And once the movie happens. The movie's got to happen. You know. Well, I'm waiting. I'm, it's, it's rough because, you know, then again, I got a Ramones Corporation and, you know, and all that. Yeah. Maybe but I, it's your story. I mean, your story is your story. Yeah, true, true. You know? Have Edward Norton play me or something like that. Good choice. I don't know. Some, I don't know. <laughs> what about Leo? No, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's good. I love yeah. he's a good actor, but I don't No, Ed Norton, that's a good choice. Ryan Reynolds, maybe? I don't know. There, there, go. there you go. Ryan, are you listening? He's a, he's a regular listener. All right, y'all. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Monty. Thanks, Monty. Great. It's a pleasure. Take it easy. Thanks, Ahud. Thank you, Joe. Bye, everybody. All right, that was good. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.